Welcome to Inside the Tunnel, brought to you by VT Scoop 24-7 Sports. My name is Andrew Alex, joined by not Evan G. Watkins, not the prophet, <laughs> Colby Crawford, but Doug Bowman at Matei says, What's going on, boys? Man, we should add we we should add Colby on just to give him the credit. Yeah, I just credit. text him and be like, You want to come jump in and gloat at any point? Gloat for finally gets the prediction. You gotta respect his his consistency, we'll call it that. I'm going to text him and say, we need you to come on the podcast right now, right now, <laughs> to predict Virginia Tech to beat Florida State. Yeah. He brings the balance, like we said last week, you know. He stuck with it. He deserves his flowers. He was he pulled through when no one else did. So credit yeah. to Colby. No, it, it is an absolute truth right there, Matei, that, you know, but – Colby doesn't have highs and lows. You know, one day you and I and Doug were excited. The next day the sky has fallen. Colby just says they're going to win every week. <laughs> he's even keel in that regard. It'll almost be sad if he like comes on here and he's like, no, this isn't it, guys. <laughs> they're going to lose. Ugh. Well, either way, they didn't lose the last game. Virginia Tech in the most resounding and meaningful victory to this point in the Brent Pry era. Beats Pittsburgh under the lights at Lane Stadium. Kyron Jones puts on the best quarterback performance we've seen in a single game under Brent Pry. And uh, the Hokies offense set their record for most points scored. The offense looked competent and well-planned. And these guys just seem to outcoach Pat Narduzzi and his other crew across the way. Matang, Doug, what does this change compared to the outlook that we've had following Marshall, following Rutgers, following Purdue? Um, I think that's still to be determined. I'm not ready to jump to any conclusions based on one game, I guess you could say you feel a little bit better about competing again with the bottom, um, the bottom teams on the schedule. UVA and BC have always been winnable, but if you look at like Wake, NC State, um, they just changed their quarterback. Um, Syracuse even, um, you know, those are the more, it proves that Tech can beat a middle of the road or probably a little lower pit might be just atrocious, but um, kind of that that halfway to the bottom of the ACC Tech can compete with that group, especially at home. And if you look at their schedule with Wake Forest at home, with Syracuse at home, um, there's a couple more opportunities out there for for wins that you feel a little bit better about. Yeah, I mean, that group, that bottom of the ACC, that is – Essentially, the entire schedule after Florida State. I mean, you, you can go out and call Louisville a, a world beater if you want, but a lot of middle of the road Big Ten teams, a lot of ACC coastal teams out there. Yeah, seems are, like yeah, going to be capable of winning that football game. So yeah. it, it's uh, it does make you feel like there's opportunity. I, I do see people. You know, now just guaranteeing wins on the schedule the rest of the way. It's like we can't 
put ourselves at guaranteed win against any one point when you're you're two and whatever with more than a year in between two power five wins, you know, as a coaching staff. But it does make you feel better, doesn't it, Matej? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a dangerous practice for sure. When, you know, it's like goldfish memory with a lot of fans that, you know, the entire week has been positivity on the timeline. Uh, you know, one week ago we were talking about, will Tyler Bowen make it to the end of the season holding his job? And, you know, everything I've been seeing has been, that was a magnificent game plan. And it was and credit to him. Like he really, you know, this was the Virginia tech offense that we had been clamoring for with Kyron drones under center. Um, but it, you know, you have to look at it. You can look at it one of two ways. You know, some people are looking at it from the perspective, you just beat an ACC opponent um at home under the lights you finally showed up uh but the other way is that you know this was game five of the season virginia tech is two and three like we've seen it took until game five to finally get that offensive performance to finally shut down an opposing rushing attack and i know they didn't quite have the horses pittsburgh and they are definitely not as good as they were hyped up to be in the preseason um, but, you know, a lot of credit to Virginia Tech. They did a lot of good things in this game. Uh, but now you have to see, can they do this consistently? You know, they put everything they wanted to on tape. It looked like they brought out um, some some new things. I think the flea flicker I didn't see all season. Um, there was a couple misdirection plays. But overall, it seemed like Virginia Tech just like they finally figured out what they wanted to be, at least offensively. Defensively, they did a lot better of a job, um, although there were some, you know, freak big plays from Pittsburgh. But, um, you know, now Florida State and, you know, these other guys have tape on on exactly what you want to do. So it's not only can they stay consistent from here, like I don't expect Kyron Drones and uh, Bashal Tootin to win ACC Player of the Week every week. Uh, you know, it's a nice honor for this week, but can they build on this? Can they continue to be consistent against some of these other teams, you know, maybe outside of Florida State? Can they, you know, recreate this type of performance offensively and defensively? Um, so, you know, the jury is still out. I think it's a great step in the right direction. Every week it was like you take one step forward, maybe, and two steps back. This was, uh, you know, taking two leaps forward. Now let's see where they go from here. That offensive shift was so different so like uh, i i think i wrote in my previous week or, or in one of the things we posted that they they dusted off like the second playbook that they had next to them um and it was so kind of eerily similar to the 2019 miami game when they put in hooker and then you know he had dalton keen and james mitchell running like daquan wright did across the field misdirection um I just pulled up that season. So this is the question of whether it's like more of that to come or if it's going to be revert uh, re revert back to what we saw in the first few weeks. After that Miami game in 2019, Virginia Tech did not score fewer than 30 points in a game except uh, at Notre Dame when Hooker was hurt and they played Quincy Patterson. Um, and then Pitt, who they won, who beat them 28 nothing, And that was the, it was like icing and spitting hail um that night so like the, that offense turned on a dime and and scored more than 30 points basically the rest of the way whenever they were full strength so you know that's the question now is 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 this is this is this the new norm or is this um you know 
uh, still a little bit of a question mark. And I think that's the fun of it, Doug, right? I mean, everyone is bringing up this Miami game parallel because, I mean, it's recent memory. There are so many similarities between the two situations insofar as the change at quarterback. Obviously, you're running completely different, essentially a completely different scheme, and you see those results coming off of an embarrassment. And I think that everyone bringing this up, like there are those similarities, but it almost implies like, are we off to the races? And it's interesting, right? Because everyone knows like in life, in sales, business, politics, what have you, you got the wrong game plan. It doesn't matter what talent you got, right? If you got the wrong general approach, you can lose despite who's on your team. So if this is a hack by Tyler Bowen, who just woke up last Tuesday, a man on a mission, and finally figured it out, with the (laughs) schedule remaining, I mean, it could look a lot different. But consistency is the name you do inconsistently to this point. Which is why I think this Florida State game is in a weird place because this would be like if you could switch the weight game in the Florida State game, like show me back to back hit and wake if you can go out there and do it. Because I and I'm, we'll talk about it in a little while, but I think the best you can realistically hope for Virginia Tech to accomplish in this game against Florida State down in Tallahassee on national television is to not play poorly enough that you might start losing confidence like as a locker room, right? You don't want anything that could negate that shot in the arm that you just gave yourself at Lane yeah. Stadium against Pitt. Yeah, they definitely want to keep the positive mojo going. Um, winning that game is highly unlikely. Getting out of there with a little more like uh, internal confidence and like some some small victories here or there where you're like, you know, we did that pretty well or that drive was was similar to the pit feeling. Like if you can just take away some good feelings there, um, I think that's a win. And and then I think the other thing is to just get out of Tallahassee without any major injuries. Um like that would be a crushing blow for like I mean for drones to go down for um, a wide, another wide receiver lane or Felton to go down. Uh, Powell Ryland, like these, there are guys that cannot afford to lose. Um, and that's almost like playing well is priority number one, but like getting out of there with a clean injury report is pretty close behind there, I think. I do think it's funny because the only time in a podcast situation like this, where you go in and actually mention that one of the goals of the game should be getting out of there with no injuries is when you either think you're toast or that you should really be good no matter what. Yeah. Right. Obviously the goal of any game is to get out of there without injuries to your key players, but that's less at top of mind when you think you have a chance to win. And uh, I mean, look, Boston College hung within two and they took that mojo Tony Elliott, 
and the Virginia Cavaliers, and they won another Power Five game. So you know, it could it could mean something. Boston College's quarterback is secretly good. He's he's dangerous. I feel like the vast majority of the population just says Boston College is terrible. Hasn't even watched a second. So when Doug tells me that Boston College might secretly be a sleeper. I didn't say Boston College is secretly a sleeper. I said the quarterback is secretly good. Okay. You know, I, I follow the tea leaves where they where they lead me. But Doug, you're the X's and O's guy. You're the X's and O's guy. What about this new playbook did you like so much? What worked? What was the difference? Yeah, I mean, I think it was the 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 misdirection and the kind of the wrinkles they threw at them. I mean, everyone's talked about it all week. The, the toss sweeps, the reverse. That's that Xavier Turner Bradshaw reverse was thrilling, um, but it was just a full. It was a fully diverse rushing attack, inside outside. Um, they've definitely gotten a little better. I mean, not great still with run blocking, and there's a lot of blown up plays but like and it says something that like i'm still surprised when like bachel tootin like breaks through the interior of the offensive line like oh there was a hole there um so that says something about how they played early but but they seem to be progressing as a rushing attack and then i mean drones's performance you can't say enough about him he did you know they gave him the ability to throw the ball down the field early to obviously to felton and then um of the rollouts, the kind of the misdirection that I talked about, the right going back across the field later in the game. Like you could see kind of the shackles of the offense going off. I mean, coming off, um, you know, I thought drones was exactly what we, he provided exactly the kind of skill set that we, we all expected him to provide for this offense in terms of like, he brings an element to the design rushing attack. Um, he's a decent enough passer, and he does enough on broken plays to extend plays to get out of trouble, um, throw the ball away to find an open receiver, and then like when he gets tackled, he's he's falling forward for an extra two two three yards. Like there's a lot of value that he brings there, and I think he's. You know, I'll be interested to see how he plays in a true road environment. Like I don't, I don't think Rutgers and Marshall compares to Florida State, but. Um, you know, I think you, you you feel pretty good about what's that three games in now with drones that he's on the right track. I mean, yeah, and we definitely harped against drones, youth and experience and things that have been coming out of camp, but he looks relatively well adjusted relatively quickly here this season. And I mean, I the throw to Lane was he knew he was about to get smoked, um, and he just delivered the ball and the money. They blew the coverage, but like that's a, I think that's a sign of his comfort and confidence that like he's hanging in there and he knows it's coming, um, and he knows what's about to happen. But he also knows where the ball needs to go um, and, and delivers it confidently. So I think that's a pretty pretty good sign. Um, he had that one throw over the middle to Lane, which was got pretty lucky that it wasn't picked but um but other than that i mean he seems like i said he seems to be on the right track as a passer which was the big question mark for him. i said best single game quarterback performance of the pry era 
but another question to ask would be best single quarterback performance at Virginia Tech since fill in that blank. When was that game? Evans had to have had one, right? Gerard Evans. Um, I think he had a he had like a two passing. I mean that game against Pittsburgh where it was like thirty eight to thirty five. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Hendon Hooker, even against Virginia, was a big quarterback performance, even though they lost that game to break the streak. Um, his performance against Miami, his breakout game. Uh, I mean, there have been some good performances, but in terms of, you know, five touchdown performance, you know, that was by far, I think, you know, the best quarterback performance we've seen, at, you know, in the last three years, I'd say. So, um, and just, you know, piggybacking off just, the offense in general. Like, I think a lot of credit goes to drones, obviously, like he's come, he's came in, this is his third career start. Like Tyler Bowen's not calling that game. If he's not confident that Kyron can operate it and that the players around him are on the same page. So, you know, having that consistency at quarterback is huge. I know like Grant Wells every week, we're hearing the injury updates, but it's like at this point, like you're, each week you're you're building up the playbook you're building up the confidence with the guys that are around drones like it's so crucial to keep that consistency and then i think the other thing is you know bashal tootin like before the season and you know i still think this now that he you know has the potential to go on to the nfl like he's that type of talent like he's a very special running back but the first three weeks of the season like he had more output against Pittsburgh than he did in the first three games this season. And, you know, that you kind of saw how effective he could be against Marshall until he randomly just stopped running the ball, Tyler Bowen. But, you know, credit to him, like he's become such a weapon for this offense and he's actually becoming efficient. And I think just, you know, the usage in him and, you know, everything around him to kind of open things up. Like, Pittsburgh had 12 tackles for loss. Like, for every good play there was in the running game, there were a lot of bad plays, too. But, you know, Toon's a guy that's breaking a lot of tackles. Like, he he finally went over the 100-yard mark. And, you know, in the last two weeks, he's had nine catches out of the backfield. So, he's definitely, like, that key weapon that you want to just keep him warm. And, you know, it kind of hurts a guy like Malachi Thomas, who's you know, clearly the number two now, like we talked before the season one, a one B, but Tudin has, you know, really stepped up. I think the last two weeks and has been given more of a role. And I think like this offense is going to work by making him the workhorse guy out of the backfield. Holistically overall, Doug, this was a question that was posed to me on hokey hangover. I'll pose it to you. Was that the best game we're going to see out of this offense this season? Or will there be another game that can top it? Is that the mountaintop? Can we expect less going forward? No, I don't think you can definitely say that. I think any home game that Tech has has got potential for that. Um, certainly UVA is not looking very strong, and that could that could go go heavily in Tech's favor even. Um, if they could, and they could be one in ten going into that game, um, if they get by William and Mary this week. Um, so I think there's a couple other opportunities where it kind of looks like that, um, or where it could look like that. Wake Forest hasn't looked that great, um, 
So, you know, I, I think this is an offense that um, I think it's clearly getting better. Um, I don't see any reason why Tyler Bowen would suddenly stop calling these plays like, you know, like <laughs> he's not going to forget about those plays that worked against Pittsburgh. Um, and then I, and I, and I think going back to what we were talking about kind of earlier in the year and in the preseason, like this is a team that probably gets better just by playing because they're so inexperienced. Drones is inexperienced. Tootin's up from um, the FCS level. Uh, Felton's up from the FCS level. Lane's up from the G5 level. The Titans are all inexperienced. Gosnell and Wright. And then, like, you know, the offensive line struggling, but Chaplin, Moore, Brody Meadows, um, Parker Clements, like all these guys, Bob Schick are early, early in their careers in terms of experience and um, what 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 we can expect from them. And I think like we're five games in now and there's, I don't, I don't know if it gets better than that, but it could at least match that. And, and I think you kind of expect it to over the course of the season where like you have guys playing hundreds of snaps now. Um, and they're, you know, unless unless they get dinged up and the injury bug bites them and stuff, I think you can you can continue to see progress. Like Xavier Chaplin's a perfect example. I don't think he's physically not talented. I don't think he's, you know, not quick enough or not strong enough or anything like that. He's just inexperienced. So like, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't, why the light wouldn't start coming on stronger at some point this year which will which you know and you can say that about several players on the offense which will only help them other side of the ball you know some highs and some lows big play bug comes back to bite virginia tech uh this time in the air a couple of deep bombs the run defense looks better than i thought i would see it look all year i'll tell you that much you know what changed i think we saw some tea leaves against marshall where Individual plays were being stopped, but the big play on the ground continued to come back. What do we see differently out of the defense this week? And then would those big plays in the air uh, be a cause of concern for you going forward? Big plays offensively through the air, not not really a big concern for me. Um, This week against FSU is a different story, but against most people, I don't think there's too much talent at receiver, and that's tech strength, the cornerbacks with Canteen and Strong and Delane. So I think that is a blip. Um, as for what they did, <laughs> Pitt's offensive line is in shambles and, and probably helped them out a little bit there. But, you know, I think there was a Feldarius Payne's role increasing has definitely helped. Um, I thought locking in on Tisdale and Lawson as the linebackers definitely helps. I mean, Tisdale's the most experienced guy linebacker option tech has so if you're worried about like run fits and being in the right place like that's that's the guy that has to play mike um and and then kelly lawson even as um is getting more and more experience and obviously he's got the most potential on the defense so you know i think it was kind of a combination of those with some help from Pitt just being not not good offensively on the offensive line, even their running backs. I mean, we talked about it last week, like uh, Hammond, the Pittsburgh running back, not at the same level as like Mon and Guy or Maccabee or, or Ali that Tech had just faced the last three weeks. So I think the talent level came down to them a little bit, but it was still good to see, 
you know, the defense step up and make some plays that I think it was a, was it third, third and short or fourth and short when Tisdale makes a stop in the hole at the line, like that just wasn't happening for the first few weeks of the year. Um, so I think it was good to see that. Okay. Before we move on to Florida state, then I think this is a good time to reevaluate. What's your win total? Doug, you want to go first while I pull up the schedule? Quickly? Yeah. Uh, but you on the hot seat. I, they're not beating Florida state. I think they can split wake for Syracuse. Sweep BC EVA and get to five. BC and UVA are the two teams that have consistently been ranked below Virginia Tech in every single metric all year long, no matter what. <laughs> um, and I think BC already had their red bandana game. So, you know, yeah. that's the most juice they have every year. I think, yeah, Wake, BC, Virginia should all wins. Should be wins. We'll see if that's the case. And the We're NC State. Wake and should be. Should be. Should be. Should be. And NC State, I mean, I know they just made the switch to MJ Morris. Like, their offense has not looked that great. Um, them and still NC State and Syracuse, I think, are really tough games. Um, you never know with Syracuse. Like I, you know, I said it before in our preseason, but like Garrett Schrader against Virginia Tech's run defense, aside from Pittsburgh this year, like very much scares me. Um, and then MJ Morris, I, I, I think he was the quarterback that played against Virginia Tech last year and he had a, you know, he was pretty successful. So, you know, we'll see what type of quarterback he looks like by then, how comfortable he is. Like we've, We've kind of seen it with drones, like MJ Morris is more of a gifted passer. So he's going to build up and, you know, NC State has, you know, pretty much figured other things out outside the quarterback position. Uh, and then obviously Florida State and Louisville just look really tough right now. So three and four, I, I would say. So, you know, win total at four. Four. I'll go with five. Maybe, maybe I'm four leaning towards five. Boston College and UVA seem like, you know, but like what Doug said, every metric possible, they're behind. And Matei says that Wake should be a win. So I don't know. The, the jury on NC State is going to be held out until they can see what Morris can do. But one is... team with a quarterback who we know what they can do, Florida State, Jordan Travis. Doug, give us the lowdown. Where the hook is to victory? Uh, 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 <laughs> the only Fair way enough. that they could compete and keep this thing close is they've got to they've got to keep Florida State's rushing attack quiet, and it's been that way this year. They're in the bottom, like they're they're in triple digits for rushing offense, um, and, and you just have to keep. You have to keep the lid on that rushing attack. I don't know why it's bad. Like, they have one of the most experienced offensive lines in the country. Trey Benson is, like, a legitimately dynamic running back. I don't know why they haven't had success running the football. Part of it, probably, they played LSU and Clemson in the first four weeks. Um, probably probably, probably helped. Um, but that's the key for Virginia Tech. 
If you don't do that, they're a balanced attack that you don't know whether they're going to run the ball or throw the ball, and you can't stop them. Um, Keon Coleman is one of the best wide receivers in the country, going to be a top 10 pick in the draft. Um, like he's going to, he scored three touchdowns against LSU and two against Clemson. Like, I mean, he, he's going to score a touchdown or two on Saturday. Like, Tech has to shut down the running game, know that they're going to, Florida State is going to put up some points and then just kind of weather the storm and hope that hope the offense um, can hang in there. And then I, I, you know, I wrote in my game proof, they got to figure out how to steal some possessions. It's turnovers, which is going to be really hard to turn over Jordan Travis, but you got to try. I actually think the coin toss is pretty big in this one for Virginia Tech. If they can defer and then nail the end of first half, beginning of second half, like a touchdown, touchdown. Um, that would help. Like we're pretty we're grasping at straws once you start bringing in the coin toss. Um, I think they'll fake a punt, something to like. You can't just punt the ball away to Florida State over and over again. Um, so I think be on the lookout for that. I think those are the ways that Virginia Tech stays close. Um, Florida State's defense, depending on which metrics you look at, are is is gettable, gettable a little bit. Um, they're extremely talented. Like Jared Verse is the defensive end. He's the best defensive end, probably the best defensive lineman tackle play this year. Um, I think he's a projected first round pick too. They got talent all over the field. Um, they play five corners, um, linebackers. Kalen Deloach is probably going to blow up Kyron Jones at some point in this game on a blitz. Um, like, like they haven't been good defensively by the numbers. They gave up over 400 yards to BC. I know I said BC's quarterback is good, but um, not that good. They're still one of the worst offenses in the country. So, you know, there's a little bit of an opportunity there. I feel like if Tech is as crisp offensively as they were against Pittsburgh, um, but it's going to take a lot. Like slowing down Florida State's offense for four quarters is not going to happen. Like Tech's going to have to score in the upper 30s to win this game. And Florida State's probably easily going to get there. So it's like, how do you? I, I, I if, if if you got Kyron Drones on one side going against Jordan Travis in a shootout, like it's it's an it's a it's an uphill battle. Yeah, and just a a couple more notes. Um, you know that Florida State really doesn't turn over the ball. I think they've only had three all season long, and I know that's usually like you know you think back to you know Virginia Tech's upset. Of- over Ohio State, like that was pivotal in in being able to upset a top 10 team. And um, it's kind of funny, like looking at this version of FSU, like when Norvell first got there, you're talking about so many penalties, you know, not disciplined whatsoever. And this this year, they're not turning over the ball. Uh, They're top 25 and fewest penalties. Um, And, you know, they're just littered with NFL talent. Johnny Wilson, another wide receiver, six foot seven, 237 pounds. Like he, I, you know, in the LSU game and Clemson game, uh, more so in the LSU game, just looked unstoppable. Like a guy that can run over the middle. If you're paying too much attention um, to Keon Coleman. And then Jaheim Bell was like a huge win for them at tight end. Like he is probably a better version of James Mitchell. uh, Just, you know, in terms of being, he can be a pure blocker. He's a guy that can run the ball. Um, 
just they use him in so many different situations. So it, it, they just have so many riches on offense. Like, you, you know, even their offensive line has gotten a lot better. They got it's nearly all transfers at this point, um, but they kind of built that up over the years. And, uh, you know, defensively, I think, you know, there is some opportunity there. I think it's a little bit skewed just based on their schedule so far. Um, like it looks like their run defense is really good and, you know, I bet it, it will be, but, um, it, it seems like there's more opportunity in the air, but I think that's just game situation where a lot of these teams had to be in the first four weeks. Um, and so I think, you know, most weeks we're talking about, okay, it's Virginia tech's run defense and how will their offense look, you know, can they establish the run this week? And, you know, last week against Pittsburgh, they checked off both those boxes. This week, it's very much how is Virginia Tech's pass defense going to look? Uh, and, and then, you know, on the flip side, will Kyron Drones, who may, you know, be in more third and long situations, is he going to be able to win some one-on-one -on -one battles? Is, is he going to be pressured? Is the offensive line going to be able to hold up against some really, really talented players? So, you know, this one kind of flips. I think this is, we're going to see, uh, we were kind of talking about it in the in the group chat before, but you know, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, like two NFL bound guys against Dorian Strong, Monsoor Delane, like, and and those two guys on Virginia Tech side, you know, I I think they're NFL bound. So it's going to be an interesting battle to see how those ones shake up. Yeah, we were talking, debating how much money is at stake in this one for, like, Dorian Strong and Delane have not been tested at all this year. Like, ODU's passing game was terrible. Rutgers quarterback Anthro Hudson Card at Purdue's decent, but like not tested like this going up against the like if I NFL scouts evaluating Delane and Strong are gonna put in put on the film when they're lined up against uh Keon Coleman. Um so it's a big week for them just in just in that sense. Um of like this is gonna be the this is probably the game this year, maybe the Louisville game. Um, because they have some really good receivers, but like this is the game that's gonna be on your film um when NFL teams are are evaluating you. Um so it's, that'll be interesting. Um I thought another thing with Matei talked earlier about like Pitt had 12 tackles for loss, and a lot of those were just blow-ups. Like Tech didn't even put a finger on a guy, like um sort of what Pry has talked about in like last he keeps saying like last year they there's too many plays where just did not have a chance where the offensive line just did not block and the play was done before it even had a chance to get started. And um, that happened last week a lot. And this is not the defensive front that you want to do it. We talked about verse um, Braden Fisk, Frisk, one of those two He's the Western Michigan transfer has been really, really good for him. Like um, the offensive line gives me a lot of worry about, about what you know if, if pittsburgh's defensive front did that um this defensive front certainly can and 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 be even more disruptive you throw in the home crowd like it's a it's it could get it could get uh dicey there quick for like what virginia for, for virginia like we were talking about earlier for virginia Tech getting out of there without any key injuries because i think this defense like Matei talked about it. This is a team that used to be undisciplined, used to get a lot of penalties, used to turn the ball over, and now they don't. And this, just to me, watching them, it looks like a team that knows 
exactly what they want to do this year, exactly what they need to do to do it. They won 10 games last year, but they know that they're a college football playoff contender. They know that that's the goal and what they, why they all stuck around and why they transferred there. And like, they're all balled in and it just seems like they're, they're not the team to take Virginia Tech lightly and give them a little extra like wiggle room to compete in this one. Like this, especially coming back, this is their first home game in uh, a month. They've only played Southern Miss at home. Like this feels like a team that's just like in a take care of business mode. And that's not, not good for Virginia Tech. Encouraging words, Doug. Uh, so yeah, what are, what are our score is, predictions? Is here? Colby getting on for some actually encouraging words? Let me call him. <laughs> but Doug, while I do that, go ahead with the uh, prediction. Yeah, I basically just covered it. I think it would be a win for Virginia Tech to keep this one close. Um, feels like I think I talked earlier about the need for Virginia Tech's for Virginia Tech's defense to limit Florida State's rushing attack, but I. Don't think that's possible. Um, it's happened so far this year, but I think this is a sleeping giant of a running game. Trey Benson's really good. Offensive line's experienced and really good. They like Florida State was number three in the country last year in rushing plays of 20 yards or more. And they basically got the same personnel this year. So it's just waiting to break out. And Tex rushing defense kind of throw out last week seemed like, you know, a good. Getting Virginia Tech's rushing defense at home after a bye, where you had the opportunity to work on why the rushing game wasn't working, like that's that's not a good setup. So I think I don't think Virginia Tech has much of a chance, and I think Florida State's offense overwhelms them. So I picked thirty-seven fourteen. Um, Tech's offense looks okay at times against a, a really strong Florida State defense, and enough to to put some points on the board, a couple drives. That's one thing Florida state has done is allowed teams to drive the field um, pretty consistently. Their red zone defense is really good, but you can pick up chunks of yardage against them. So I think there's like, you know, a couple touchdowns on the board for Virginia tech, but not anywhere near enough to compete. So that's why I went 37, 14. Yeah. And I think, you know, on the contrary, I know <laughs> Doug's point about the coin toss you know, deferring, I actually think it's about, you know, even if they do defer, um, it's about early in the game. Like you really don't want to get this Florida state offense rolling once they start putting up points, like Virginia tech is, was very successful against Pittsburgh. And you kind of saw that, you know, they want to prolong drives. They want to establish their run game, no matter, you know, 12 plays were blown up for tackles for loss, but they were able to consistently feed the rock and, and, and keep trying to establish their run. If you get out of that offense for Virginia Tech and you kind of go back to what they, you know, were doing against Marshall, where, you know, if, if Kyron Drones is in a position where he has to throw 35 times in the game because they're constantly down by, you know, two plus scores, like things are going to get out of hand very fast. I think Virginia Tech offensively, you really just like you want to keep the ball in your possession as much as possible. I think Virginia Tech has moved all the way into the top 40 in time of possession in the country, you know, really trying to establish that run, even if it's a three yard game, like just continuing to move the chains. And, you know, even if you're settling for field goals, um, but, you know, and then defensively, like you're going to have to win a ton of one-on-one -on -one matchups. 
especially outside the cornerbacks. Like, we'll see what the safety situation looks like. I don't think Monsieur Peoples is coming back for this week. Like, this would be great to have some more safety help so you can have your primary corners out there. Um, and then, you know, again, like, was last week, you know, kind of an anomaly where they were able to stop the run because they weren't playing talented running backs or because, uh, you know, all three phases were aligned for once. Like, they're going to have to be able to really lock in on Florida State's offensive line and, and stop the run game. So um, I could see it going one of two ways. Like, if they're unable to, you know, have that offense and they get behind early, like, this is going to be an early, you know, 30-plus to 14-type game. But I think if they can establish their offense, hold on to the ball, kind of take Florida State's offense out of rhythm, you know, they're still an explosive offense. But, um, you know, I think they would lose maybe a 10-point game. So, overall, I think it's going to be somewhere in between. Uh, I think this is a game that kind of breaks off, you know, late second quarter, early second half. I'm going to go uh, Florida State 42, Virginia Tech 24. For me, it comes down to the trenches. There's a possibility for Mansoor Lane to have a good game and keep Florida State's wide receivers in check. There's a possibility that Kyron Jones has the athletic ability to make something happen here or there. Say the same about Tootin as Matei described him borderline NFL talent. He's only ever done well against the ACC. But I, I don't think that our offensive line can handle Jared Verse and their defensive front and, and vice versa the other way around. Like, And that's where football games are won and lost. So ultimately, I like the Virginia Tech to come out there and score some points. Uh, I like them to also allow quite a few more points. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say 45 to 20 final score. All right. Final thoughts. What else is going on in the world of college football? Nothing from Colby. He's in class. Oh, People will have to wait to read the article. Is he at world regions or something? Probably. Yeah. Um, what was I going to ask you? Oh, how's your dad doing after that Duke game? Uh, not well, not well. <laughs> he called, uh, to talk about it, and then he called the next day to give me an injury update where <laughs> it's just a matter of how many games Riley Leonard's going to be out. So he doesn't want to lose to NC State, which he thought would be a very winnable game for Duke. Probably true. Yeah. He said the Florida State game is probably kind of a wash anyway. Probably true. So it's just a matter of getting him back in time for the real home stretch the important games, Carolina, and I believe Louisville in there. That's your Duke football update, folks. <laughs> Tough they can one. hang in there with Notre Dame, can't they? Tough one for Elko and the boys. Thought they had it. Moral victory? No moral victories for Duke in year two under Mike Elko. <laughs> they're, they're past that. They're way past that. i tell you what else is going on in the world. I'm currently moving, so I'm selling everything in my name on Facebook Marketplace. Need to sell anything in particular here on the podcast? No, I don't have my setup with me right now, but I'm not selling that. That is, uh, that will be staying with me. But my desk and everything, I mean, I know we're audio only, but I really have like nothing left and just boxes here. But what I am looking forward to this weekend 
12 o'clock, Texas, Oklahoma. I'm pumped about that. I'm happy that Virginia Tech will be nationally televised against Florida State at 3.30. I'm, I'm happy they didn't get the noon game just so I can see Texas and Oklahoma. I thought you were just saying you're happy that Virginia Tech is nationally televised. Why? Do you think people <laughs> forgot we exist? Or... Uh, what's I'm the best of the other I'm games not insinuating that, that. televised? <laughs> I'm not I'm not insinuating that I just you know it, it's Florida State's allure that I think set this time here and uh, you know I, I was pretty certain a couple weeks ago that this was going to be a 12 p.m. stinker so I'd be fine with this one being on the CW but I will be at on Saturday the Georgia Kentucky game between oh, the hedges for the first that's a time big one yeah it's a uh, you know, wow. it's no small deal in the SEC this year. Kentucky, NC State at the helm, at quarterback. You know, maybe maybe there's some intrigue there, but Georgia also knows what they're doing. Knowing the, the Georgia fans that I, I'm going with, it's a, it's a different kind of stress that you have. What's, is that a 7 o'clock game? Uh, like 7, 7.30, something like that, yeah. Oh, that would be that would be something. It'll be fun. It'll what be are you going to do for the tech game? Uh, well, try and stream it. I guess maybe it's a good thing it's nationally televised. Bar in uh, downtown Athens. Yep. Look a little bit uh, like the low man on the totem pole among the Georgia alums, but that'll be okay. <laughs> that'll be Andrew, you should uh, you should take a video of all the LED lights for the intro. And then post it on Twitter, and it'll rile up some Virginia Tech fans. Tweet at Whip Babcock, priority <laughs> number one. Spend some more money on baseball. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have LED lights because of all we the baseball to... spending. For those of you looking for entertainment on Friday, two and three, Nebraska heads to Champaign, Illinois Big one. to take on the you... Illini. Do you see Illinois Stadium caught on fire? Wait, what? Illinois, I, I just saw it. Oh, here, let me look it up. It was on fire last night. Was that with that uh, national emergency sound that we heard today was about? Yeah, that was it for the for Memorial Stadium. And All right, all systems go. They had a fire, but it's good. They'll play on. Three and a half for Illinois. Who do you like? Or three <laughs> and a half from Illinois. Their favorites. Like, I got Illinois. I don't think you can pick Nebraska until they prove it. Who they beat? And they beat uh, Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois and South they Alabama. Beat Boston College. <laughs> yeah. I told you BC wasn't any good. Their quarterback's good, but who's yeah. the other team? Louisiana Tech. Yeah. He... Yeah. I think yeah. for my under bet. I could use a loss for Nebraska, but I mean it's uh there's a lot going on, but that game will be on national television, Fox Sports One. Uh all right, gentlemen. Anything else? Final words, Batay, go sell your couch. Done. <laughs> uh no, nothing. I got nothing. Braves Braves play same time as tech on Saturday, which isn't ideal, but I'll figure it out. Doesn't sound fun. <laughs> Doesn't sound fun. Orioles magic, by the way. It's back. We'll be back next week. Recap this one with homecoming and Wake Forest 
right ahead. You won't want to miss it. BT Scoop 24-7 Sports inside the tunnel. We'll talk to you next time. Enjoy your weekend. As always, go Hokies. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.